Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Soul Path Podcast. Today, I'm excited to take a deep dive into intuition, digging into our inner knowing with some non-linear logic brought to us by Amy Vasterling. Amy is an incredible intuitive. She's a coach. She helps other people connect with and tap into their intuition to cultivate intuition. And one of the lessons that she shares is that one of the hardest things being human is sometimes just learning how to shut up, right? So just getting out of our own way. And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in the conversation. I'll look forward to picking it back up with you guys at the end. Awesome. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Soul Path Podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. In reading your bio, I feel like I'm super excited to dive into intuition and all that that means. Uh, and hear and learn from your experience and insight on that. But to start out the conversation, I'd like to just toss out a little bit of an icebreaker. So I'm going to ask if you would be willing to complete three sentences for me. Life is, people are, and I am. Just let it flow out. Yeah, life is, I think it's amazing. <laughs> and is the next one, people are? Yeah. People are limitless. And Luke, refresh me with the last one. I am. I am. I am. I am pure power. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. That is awesome. So people are limitless. Tell me about that a little bit. What 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 does that mean? How do you see that? Yeah. And Luke, I want to say thanks for having me. I think this is just such a great match for the work I do. Um, yeah. I mean, that's exactly the work that I do is we are in a time where we're shifting into what I believe is coming to a future where we move out of proving and telling into sharing and into sensing. Mm. And so with that limitlessness, it's uncomfortable for people to come into that ability or to realize it, but it's actually a birthright. So in a way, when we start to see that, you know, little examples, and this might seem strange or unique, but I had something that was happening on my hand, a pain, and it was a bubble inside or something was in there that was hard and solid. And I panicked and I got worried about it, just like we do with things that are physical. We think, oh my gosh, what's happening to my body? I'm aging or I'm getting sick. And for about a day and a half, I lamented and I was like, oh my gosh. And I'd, I'd get busy with my day and forget. And then I'd, I'd feel it when I drive the car, I could feel it. And I'm like, ow. And finally I gathered myself and I realized all the things that I know from all the years of where I've moved to, to bring the future forward. Let's say that. I said, no, that's something moving through and out. It's not staying. It's not harboring. It's actually trying to express itself and move through and out. It's telling me something. So relating to our life like that might sound funny, but it's actually, it creates a lot of flow in our life. It creates natural alignment. I say to my clients and to people, I'm not big on gratitude journals. I'm not against them, but I'm more in the position of the pathway of least resistance. What if we ask ourselves why we aren't naturally grateful and attend to that discomfort to move into the alignment that it takes for us to feel that natural gratitude. So then we're, it's effortless. It becomes easy. That's kind of my line of thinking. That's awesome. So limitless potential, essentially kind of opening up to that. I heard you say is kind of an uncomfortable thing. And then I'm, I'm curious, do you, is that directly tied to gratitude? You know, I, well, not necessarily. It's just an example I'm using, but okay. I mean, really with limitlessness, what I would say is our birthright is intuition and it is something we deny at a, at a high level. We're kind of afraid of it. We don't trust it. And the reason is it is non, non-time bound, non-linear. And so unlike our society, that's like, you got to prove it. Well, I've seen a lot of things proven in medical care, in, in food, in, and they don't actually come out to be what they were once they were proven to be safe for us. And these things happen. I'm not saying they're bad guys. <laughs> We're good guys. There's none of that. It's just that when we take the approach of intuition, the limitlessness is we get the information and then we walk this awkward journey, which could be the discomfort. And in hindsight, we see that information, what it, what it really was about, what makes sense about it. And so the answer is in hindsight and the trust is what carries us forward to that thing, which is undeniably true. And the bigger piece of this, of our limitlessness is, we all have claircognizance, which is clear knowing. And to me, the core of my work is about if, and I'm big with children, I'm like, let's not screw them up. <laughs> but if we keep children with their knowing 
And parents don't, it's not culturally in America and in most countries, most kids feel misunderstood through parenting. But if we keep our kids with their knowing, they're going to align, they're gonna be naturally grateful, they're gonna be naturally respectful. And that's how I, I raise my kids. Now to do that, I felt for two years like I was breaking in two and I didn't know why. But this limitless piece is power. And what I was breaking free of was control and enabling, which are on the outer edges, which is kind of codependency and narcissism. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that. And so I, I could have said at a party where you should be happy and fine, I am breaking inside and it is breaking me. Like I can barely stand here. It was so hard, but I did it. And I knew my, with open eyes, the goal was to be not only the opposite of a parent with my children or the opposite of a friend to my friend, how my parents showed me, but to break free of something I couldn't even see. And so when we head in that middle space, that's where the balancing point is. And that's where the power is. And I, it wasn't until eight years after I was working this pathway I realized that, oh, I broke free of that structure and moved into the power. And, and that's where it become, can become uncomfortable. Some people can flow a little better, but we are creating a new structure, a new way of thinking and being. And it's, it's lost on us a little bit. And part of it is to me, Luke, it is so simple that it becomes really, like we make it so complex. Mm. We overlook the simplicity of it and it becomes something that is complex because it's so darn simple. Absolutely. Wow. That is, that's an incredible realization. I think for, to be able to see it as moving through the discomfort, I, I would say it's like letting go or losing that illusion. You know, when we, we have to create structure because structure supports successful spontaneity but it is all transient. It isn't holding on to a rigid idea of what it means to be a parent or any other role that we might play. I was curious, I think you said the word opposite, right? Like it's opposite of being a parent, it's opposite of being a friend. Can you speak to that a little bit? What? Absolutely. So it, it's characteristic for humans and you're exactly what you're talking about. So intuition, when, I, when my intuition came in strong and you might have to remind me about coming back to that question, but I wanna say this first, Luke is um, when mine came in strong, I am fierce and I'm somebody who I'm not going to do it unless I can do it at the highest level. It's just how I'm built. I always work for the best company that did that thing. And so I said to the universe or, you know, and I shook my fist in the sky and I swore and I said, if you effing want me to do this, you better show me the foundation, the definition and exactly what I'm doing. Otherwise, forget it. And so the information came and what came is um, that we are, I'm losing my train a little bit um, where I wanted to head with this, but we are um, non-time bound, non-linear. So on all this information about how intuition works, this is what I was going to say, is intuition is based on if everything is connected, which everybody says everything's connected, but they only have half of that wording. So I waited and the information that came is if everything is connected, Therefore, there is nothing which cannot be connected, which if you'll notice, if we say everything's connected, that's intuition. That is non-linear, non-time bound. It is not a logic statement. But when you add that back end, that's what brings it full circle is the logic, which logic is really important in our society. But this, this piece of intuition is sort of thrown to the side. But if we have that whole, it sounds mamby pamby or silly. I don't know if that's even an appropriate word to say, but, but silly, right? Like, Oh, everything's connected. Oh, shut up. <laughs> right. It gets a little trite. But if we look at it in that parameter, if everything is connected, therefore, there's nothing which cannot be connected to your point of structure. It's actually a web. So I may see something. I'm clairvoyant foremost. I can smell, taste, do all the things. I have all the senses with it, this ability to understand energy and read energy. When it comes to seeing things, I might see three, three things that are seemingly random. The example I usually give is a little white shoe turned to its side with its laces open and it's sitting on the grass. There's a piece of cake with a bite out of it and the fork is strewn and a little lovey that's a, an elephant all loved up and sitting on its side in the grass as well. And I look and I look and I look and I sense and say, what are those three things? How do those come together? But then if I change my point of view, and I'm drawn to looking up and forward ahead. Oh, there's a kid ripping her clothes off, running out to the woods because mom said, you have to have a bite of cake before you leave. You have to take your clothes off because you can't wear your nice white things 
out to the, you know, out to the forest or out to the woods. And the kid trusted the woods more than that lovey. Like they didn't need safety. And I asked the universe, give me an example I can share with people. And that's what came is give them this example of how if we change our point of reference, we can make the connections. So to me, I don't think there needs to be structure because structure already exists. And it's actually letting go of the need for structure in a way or the need for control or the need to know what's going to happen. Now, with humanity, a massive piece of anxiety is people don't know where they stand. And so they're jumping through other people's hoops. I actually call it hoop jumping. Like I have a kid who she'd never do the worksheet in school in, in high school, but she'd do the really hard writing and reading assignment. And she'd do it about three times faster than her peers and she'd get an A. And it dawned on me, she is living the pathway of least resistance. It's not actually effective to tell her, you know, you're going to have to do things in life you don't like. Why, why would that have to be true for her? So we dislodge from that structure to say, how, how is that working for you? How do you feel about that? So I had kids come home who got a D on a test and could get an A. And I said, how do you feel about that? Well, really good because the other kids got an F. I did really well compared to the class. The teacher's going to reevaluate and give us the test again. We don't always know the answer. We see a D, we judge it that's bad, right? That's part of the structure that I think is not necessarily helpful to us. But if we look at it in a way of the points aren't linear, you got a D, that's not good. Well, no, a D might not be good, but if we ask the question, we've entertained all of these other pieces for the child to decide and realign for themselves. Or a kid could get a D and say, I, and so, what do you need to study harder? I didn't put a lot of effort. How can I support you? Right? It lifts the child and lets them know mom will support me. But oftentimes the child knowing they have support will come back to themselves or the adult and say, I got it covered. And they'll take that active role of responsiveness to their life versus responsibility for like, well, I have to do this. That becomes about martyrdom. It becomes about the weight and heaviness of our burden as humans. And that's, I believe, imposed. Luke, are you okay? <laughs> I've got a, a high schooler as well. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, if she comes home and she's like, oh, you know, I did terrible on a test or whatever, you know, well, tell me about it. What, you know, what's going on? Oh, I just feel like I, you know, I struggle on this or I didn't get that right. Or I didn't get the grade I wanted and say, oh, okay. You know, so how do you feel about that? You know, oh, I feel like this and that, you know, well, you know, do you feel like a huge embarrassing failure? Like, is this, you know, like, does that discredit you in, in any way, shape or form kind of a thing and and actually make light of it like you're still just as incredible as, as a human being. Right. You're still just you have the same potential. All of these little nonlinear setbacks, you know, the unexpected things that crop up, the chaos, whether it's a kid and a test or a business uh, deal that falls through or, you know, our life is, as I see it, you know, this kind of perpetual unfolding collision, if you will, of my personal choice or my efforts to manifest my intentions in the material world, right? Mm -hmm. So I have choice and I can make a choice to do this or do that. I can choose to use change to be a catalyst for change. Uh, and in doing so, facilitate and cultivate, facilitate um, a lifestyle, if you will, or cultivate a quality of life. But at the same time that I'm out there actively asserting, you know, this is my intention and what I want to intend, you know, this is my intention is to have a maximum positive impact, right? I want to help lift up as many people as I can in this lifetime. That's it. No, you know, no, no more, no less. Uh, but I understand that my choices and my intention has to be, you know, it's going to be affected by the collision of, you know, random chaos, essentially, right? So there's, there are things that are in motion and out of my control at all times. So letting go of the expectation that just because I think this is what I'm going to do means that this is what's actually going to happen. Right. And this is, this is how I reconcile my mind to what I consider natural reality. Right. It's not what Luke thinks. It's not what my, you know, Luke's perception of reality. It's not even the image of reality that I'm projecting. It's that there is life that exists outside of me and I'm part of that. And there's this debt, you know, what I call the divine dance, you know, I'm my intuition my inspiration, my intention is in this cosmic dance with the intuition, inspiration and intention of other human beings, of other creatures, of, you know, plant life, the cycles of the sun and the moon and everything else. So it's kind of this, this cool thing. So uh, the dance is a cool thing. 
despite the chaos, despite the, you know, the things that seem like, oh, was this not meant to be? Well, how could it be any other way? So clearly it is what it is. Well, in a way, Luke, but I guess what I'm speaking to is, is a little bit beyond that where we can say we create our reality, but I think that's a lot of pressure. And I think some people can get down because when we, when we have a lot of chaos or there are a lot of moving parts in life right now, we're transitioning from a hyper level of doing and a hyper level. Like I believe we are dismantling narcissism and bringing it down. And so as a result, we're experiencing truly utter chaos, but it's okay because it's shifting us to something that is much more likened to who we are. So I would say out to the people who feel distressed right now, or they feel a bit depressed or a bit anxious or can't reconcile and confusion is in them, you're the way forward. And that's the problem that you're having is you're watching how it is. And you never probably really fit that. You felt different. And it's because you know how it will look in the future. But for me, what I would ref- what I would say to you is the less said, the better, just with children, with ourselves, the more quiet we are, the more we're going to see the truth of it. And also, like, we, we can accept that this is an experience we're having. And we can say, like, right now, I'm having an experience in my life. I don't like it. But I just say, and I swear, <laughs> so I won't do that here, but I say, I don't effing like this. And I will do this, but I don't like it. So I claim that for myself as a way to remember, I will go through the motions of my knowing and headed where in the direction I'm to head to do the thing I came here to fulfill. Like we say, what's my life purpose? We came to fulfill some things and whether that's in part beauty or so on, um, that piece of our, the chaos is the more we can find that to be quiet and aligned to where we are headed the more synchronicity comes, that's just amazing. It's like, Luke, you were in such a hurry and you were running and you were like getting a little bit stressed about being in such a hurry. And then you ended up at the school to, to meet the kids or whatever it is. And you pull in and there's a parking space right in the front right there where the kids can see you so you don't have to call them because there's no cell service in the school, all the things, right? That's when synchronicity starts connecting in for us. And that's how we know we are aligning to that knowing and we are not getting in our own way. It's really good right now. And I, I want to come back to something that I call the, this myth. It's kind of like a myth buster, but the energy is really um, good right now for us. <clears throat> if we stay in a space of trust, even if we're completely lacking trust in where we're headed or what's going on, because there is a lot of chaotic energy going on, which is okay. It's fleshing things out. We're going to hit really well. We're going to stay in our alignment without really trying very hard. If we're just like, you know what, I'm just going to put, I'm going to press the trust button. Oh, I hate this. But you know what? Press the trust button. (laughs) Focus there. And our journey right now is not to focus way ahead in our life, but like one city block ahead of us. That's as much as we can handle. And this has come around recently for me in readings, which it hasn't been around for quite a few years. But it's this idea, which is kind of cheesy, but I had to name it a certain way. So there's the myth. There's the old belief. And then there's the mystery. And that can be part of the discomfort that we're talking about, where I think of it as, um, I mean, we all remember being 13. Who can forget it? (laughs) But what happens is your your hormones are going crazy. Your body gets out of proportion and you bump into things like your body. You're not in control of it, sort of. And that's how I think of this part that is the mystery where we're disconfigured or we're we're malconfigured for a moment while we're re-entertaining a new belief system. And what will happen during that time is we might call a friend and be like, yeah, let's meet for coffee. And then they call, they're like, oh my gosh, we had a a last minute funeral from this friend's friend and I have whatever. Then the next week you try and meet for coffee again and they can't meet you again. When you see those things happening and you're in this discombobulated state, what's really going on is the universe or God or source or whatever you want to call it is protecting us from them informing us anything about our new belief. So there'll be people that are kind of get shut out or it seems really strange But once we catch up to that new belief, we hit the miracle and people around us will align to us or they will fall away. So if your problem was overwhelm, you form this new belief about overwhelm and dismantled what it was before. And you get into this situation of being like, I got it now. And you might not even realize what you've got, but something changed and you feel a little bit different. People around you might be saying, I feel so overwhelmed. They're catching up to the speed of where you are now. And that's how we know some people will come with you. And sometimes some people have to fall away because they haven't figured that out and they can't hit or, you know, meet you energetically 
they aren't even aware of it. It's, it's all behind the scenes. So I want to focus on the experience. We're having an experience and, and we can claim that sometimes that's trash. <laughs> that's just crap. <laughs> that experience is no fun whatsoever. Uh, but I've had a lot of experiences. I mean, since I was very little, I want to jump into I was I want to ask about your kind of the the origin story, if you will, of your own intuitive journey. Um, But just real quick before we get to that, can can you elaborate a little bit on you had used the word uh, response and responsibility Mm -hmm. and those two words? Was that a, a contrast between the two or how do you see those inner Yeah, no, it's really important. And Luke, this came around many years ago for me when I was doing readings, you know, actively, where there are two words, there's expectations and responsibility, and that those hung out in an area of control. And it, we can, I think it's easy to relate it to parenting or having a boss who controls you versus a boss who flows with you and helps you rise higher. And so the message that came or the messages were, instead of responsibility, it's responsiveness to our life. We want to teach kids and we want to manage people in a way that they are responsive to the things that are going on. Because if we have that space of, of you aren't responsible, you aren't, we're again, burdening children instead of saying, be responsive. For me, when my kids were, I don't know, 12, 13, I said to them, Hey, if you ever go to a party and you're drinking or you're with kids that are doing drugs or drinking, I want you to be responsive and tune into that situation and see where you're falling in. And I want you to react or act in alignment to what to that. So meaning I was asking my kids to tune into their intuition so that if they felt something was wrong there, they would leave and they'd tell their friends, I need to leave, you can come with me or you can call, you know, whatever the deal is. Like make a plan so that they stay in touch with that knowing their intuition. So responsiveness allows us a more free flow with that. Now, expectations, is met on the other side with expectancy. And I don't necessarily mean one is good or bad. It just, if we're talking about living spiritually and living the experience that's a more pathway of least resistance, being expectant is going to be a more powerful place. It's the kid who opens the gift and doesn't even really care what's in there in the way of, they're just excited about everything. I got a gift, look at that. Oh, you know what, do you like that? You can actually have that. (laughs) It's just this open heartedness. And you think about it, a way to lock that in is when we think about a a pregnant mama who has no clue what's going to happen and how their life will change. They're just so excited. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Right? They just are excited. They're expectant. Instead of having an expectation of, well, you didn't meet my expectation. That again, forces people, I believe, to do this hoop jumping. And I believe it's what creates a lot of anxiety. Mm, They're trying to be something. They don't even know necessarily how to be it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, being and doing that, those are things that uh, we could dive into. So uh, just to clarify, when you're talking about response, being responsive and responsiveness, would you say that that's, that's similar to or even synonymous with openness? You know, being, being open and, well, and receptive? Sort or... of. It's, more, it's more in the lane of your own life. Okay. So you be responsive to your life. I will be responsive to my life. I am not responsive to your life unless we talked about doing a podcast together. So then there's some responsiveness about you might need this information from me. And I ask the question and you, you might have a question for me to be, you know, right, right. We're responsive to each other. So it's only within what is pertaining to our life. We don't need to be responsive to a crisis that happens in another country because it might, there might be no way to be responsive to that. And, and if we start to go there, it may become guilt or worry and some things that actually are useless behaviors as a human ultimately going to weigh it down bring down the vibe yeah absolutely so is there a connection then in your mind you know are are we would you consider us as individuals each person in their own path like you were saying uh responsible for our responsiveness right that's the only thing you're responsible for (laughs) Okay. All right. I love it. Is is your responsiveness. Yeah. How we choose, you know, have we elevated our awareness? Are we aware of how we are responding Mm -hmm. and that we have some choice in that matter to be open and non-judgmental to, you know what I mean? To, to be 
accepting of the circumstances, not fighting against it, not, you know, expecting it to be differently and resisting life as it unfolds, but instead being present with life, the gift of life. And in that present state awareness, that's where I think, like you were saying, you notice the shoe, you notice the fork, you notice the little things in my, in my paradigm, you know, life is always talking to me. You know, there's always something going on that is speaking wisdom into my life or insight or direction or, you know, inspiration. And just the, uh, yesterday morning, I was sitting out drinking coffee and there's uh, Western bluebirds, really beautiful birds. And they disappeared for a while. They had been nesting and now they've hatched. And so there are three little baby birds and the mama bird was out there and she's, you know, getting bugs. And, you know, at first she's putting the bugs in the other baby bird's mouth. And then pretty soon she's like getting the bugs and she's setting it in front of the baby bird. So the baby bird has to go over, you know, and I'm pretty soon she's showing them how to go find the bugs. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, wow, this is so cool. Uh, this is just like it is, you know, with, with our own children, right? We got to teach them how to feed themselves, so to speak. But for me at that point in time, that contemplation, I was thinking about it at a, at a larger scale. And that was, you know, teaching people how to find nourishment for their own soul or how to feed their own personal growth you know and I, I could see that it was it was like teaching people how to hunt for food kind of a thing anyway just a, a small example let's transition to your story specifically i there's something i think is super awesome i want to hear you tell it so i'm not going to say it uh, but in reading your bio you're I don't know if you would call it your spiritual journey, but your awakening or your intuition really started with uh, a pretty remarkable experience circa age seven. Is that is that right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. <laughs> it didn't come, came kind of wildly for me, but beautifully, I think when I was young, really beautifully. So I was not the favorite kid in class in first grade, uh, not at all. And there were three times that we were in the middle of a spelling test and I was mentally checked out. I just wasn't there. I mean, people may say you had ADD and so on, but I really feel it was this spiritual attunement to knowing this isn't the way that I learned. This isn't the way I do it. And there's a different way that's easier for me. That seems resistant, but that's what I really see. So I was sitting in the classroom the third time and the teacher came over and she shook my shoulder and she screamed at me and said, what are you doing? Bah! You know, it just left her panicked clearly. And I looked beyond her out the classroom window across the room and I was out there floating beyond the window. And next to me was a yogi that was dressed in white and it was a man with a turban, legs crossed, floating next to me. And I had no clue what a yogi was, but I knew that that felt safer than being in the classroom. And I had that awareness, but I thank God I said nothing because it would have been a really bad situation. They would have thought I was more weird and different than I, they already did. But I looked around the classroom to see that the kids had been on spelling word eight. I mean, I really had checked out. And I think, you know, there's a lot more to that that I'm not going to go into here. But needless to say, like many people, when I was a teenager or in middle school, I could finish my friend's sentence or I knew what they were going to say before they said it. Now I can watch TV shows, a half an hour show. And I know that guy's going to have a heart attack. This is going to happen way before, like see it way before. I just can sense off of these people, what, how they're behaving in very tiny ways. So that's how it's amplified for me to some degree to give it a concrete way to think about it. But when I was 16 and 21, um, I saved my moped from being stolen and I caught the meter maid right before when they used to do that. Now it's all digital, but right before they were going to write the ticket and I, I yelled, Hey, I, Hey, see you. I'm coming with the money. And they said, had I put the pen down, I would have had to write the ticket. You caught me exactly at the right time. And I was in a meeting in a city where my body stood up without me doing it. And that, that's, I mean, that's a bigger conversation. So I won't talk about how that happens or why that happens. It's not a scary thing. It certainly was um, okay. But I believe that those things happened to teach me when I was in my 20s. I was having a lot of premonitions or seeing things before they happened that were not of any consequence. But I believe in the long run, it was to teach me this is good and it will serve people. It's not scary and it's not bad. Why would I feel more safe with the yogi outside the classroom than being in the classroom with the teacher who's screaming at me? You know, those were just some hallmarks to tell me this is okay. Because as it came in when I was about 27, I had a premonition that I would die when I was 34. Spoiler alert, I'm way older than that. <laughs> but I didn't know what it meant. And it really 
when we, not many people have an extraordinarily fear-based situation happen with their intuition, but the people who do, it's simply to get you to pay attention to it. It's not something bad is going to happen. It's more, it's really time for you to under, to take this under your wing and really learn how it works. So almost like it's, it's an invitation to take responsibility to your into of your intuition for your intuition. I mean, if it, Maybe that's one way of looking at it. Well, it's time to expand it. I think that people that have those experiences, like I've worked with some kids who had some really crazy experiences. I mean, kind of perverse, not sexual, but very young. And and I all I need to say to them is in two years, the reader and ability will be to understand this. And they're like, oh, I get it. It might be scary now, but in two years, I'm going to see bigger, scarier things. But I will understand this and I will understand that. And they calm down and they center. They get it right away. So I, I think that, you know, yeah, it just, it can come with some hurdles that are like, what's going on? I mean, to see that you're going to die in a few years is really alarming. Right. And to, I didn't have anywhere to turn. Like I didn't know who to talk to. And for my journey, I asked for teachers and I had influences, but I never had a teacher come forward. And I believe that was a purpose because I learned it clean. And now I teach people how to do it. I don't even really teach them. I, I show them a passive way for them to learn their own way of doing it. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So I'm curious about the uh, kind of go back for a sec to the, the yogi outside the window experience. Um, are you, I was going to ask if you were if you had any exposure to yoga prior to that. You know, if anybody in your family was doing yoga or anything like that, it was just a kind of a spontaneous whoa but nevertheless, a very visceral experience, I'm guessing. Absolutely. And, and it's when I see things, it's the essence of the imprint of the energy. So it wasn't like I see you right now, Luke, live and here. It, it's, a, it's a sense, but I can actually, my brain can configure the shape and the, the sense of what all of that is. Like I, if I had known enough, but I was young, I probably could have tuned in and had a nonverbal conversation with that energy and found out, oh, okay. So push comes to shove much later in my life. One of my friends is a Vedic astrologer, which is East Indian or, you know, it's oh, like yeah. East I am. Yeah. and, and she said, Amy, you have so much Vedic energy in your chart. And that's probably now why that showed up for me. And I don't really know much about that, but I've never studied yoga. I mean, I've done yoga, but I knew nothing about, I mean, I, you know, I didn't really know anything about any other country. I was seven. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was. Have you heard of or studied at all the the cities? They're called cities uh, in yoga. It's they're they're essentially spiritual gifts. Something that's fascinating to me is you look through uh, all the different traditional lineages, uh, right up to and including you know New Ageism, and just look at what anything you know that embraces spirituality, that embraces metaphysics. A metaphysical reality there's spiritual gifts across the board and they're a little bit different here a little bit different there patanjali and the yoga sutras lines out roughly 25 different cities and these would be considered spiritual gifts but really ultimately it's 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 skill that can be attained on the level uh, of personal evolution if you will i like to talk about self-directed evolution or self-cultivation so that we have latent capacity to be clairvoyant, clairaudient, you know, all of these different things. I, I associate those with the stories that are told that have been passed down from the sages through the ages. And, you know, anecdotally, it, the stories are alive and well today. And through personal experience, I mean, seeing and experiencing these things, it is an undeniable aspect of our reality. So in the yoga cities, you know, one of the one of the yoga supernatural powers, even though it's a natural thing, would be levitation, teleportation, you know, the ability to, to kind of move again in a nonlinear fashion, right? Get out of the, the logical, I have to understand it and just understand that there are things that we don't understand, even, you know, as, as uh, much as modern culture likes to claim, you know, this is what the science says. The science is always shifting. The science itself is very transient and science contradicts itself and science changes constantly. So, and science in many ways is, is just catching up with technology. I would say human technology that has been around for thousands of years through traditional Chinese medicine, through Qigong, Kung Fu, you know, through uh, yoga, 
all of this kind of stuff, it's, it's amazing. And without having to understand it, without having to put a label on it, the truth is people like yourself and those who have have that, they're born with that innate sensitivity and intuition. You've been experiencing this in your life from the time that you were a child. And it's right. It's right. Diverse. I was highly aligned as a child. Magic stuff happened for me. Mm. I, I, it's, I stuck out and I'd be at the grocery store and somebody would say that moms would be talking and they'd pause and I'd sum it up with wisdom and they'd be like, holy magoli, she's really wise. But I didn't really understand that. And, you know, with what you're saying, Luke, about the um, cities and all this is to me, it's, 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 not, a, it's not a gift. It's actually an ability. And so somebody can be really talented at playing the piano, but they can choose to never play the piano, but that gift can't be taken away. Now you can say, well, somebody's hands could get hurt and then they can't play anymore, but we still have the music inside of us. It still is a part of who we are. And so instead of saying it's a gift and I, I know why I have it so strongly and it's not something that's exactly pretty and sweet. So that's odd, it's different. I'm, I'm a bit different that way. But I would rather say it's the invitation. Like when I had the intense thing that came when I was 27 that said, you will die when you're 34. <clears throat> it was a massive invitation to be like, heads up, you're going to deal with your intuition now. And you're going to put everything that you are to it. And then I couldn't fight that. If I did fight that, it's like things would get trickier for me. Mentally, I'd move further away from my knowing and my ability to manifest you know, how I do naturally, that magic that's a part of who I am mm. seems to hide and not shine. So it's pretty easy for us to tell where to attend in our life when we, but again, a lot of it takes quiet. I mean, I say in parenting, the biggest thing we need to learn, and I had to learn it, is shut up. <laughs> say the first thing that comes out of your mouth and then stop. I don't like it when you leave tea bags on the edge of the sink. Stop. They know the rest. Right. Or I mean, whatever it is, it's like we're, we're quick to, to have to make words for it and justify it or build a foundation. And I think that it's a little bit more simple than that. Um, sorry, I have a cat that's moving around and he's going to sneeze. Maybe. <laughs> but, um, so the, what is the invitation? And that's what I would tell the listeners is what is your invitation? And it can be a gentle, easy back and forth volley. What is your invitation and how do you attend to that through being responsive? Stay in your lane, right? I, I was told years ago, I had learned Qigong from, we have a master where I live and he's really well achieved. And I went to level three and I kind of did it begrudgingly, but then I learned what I needed to learn at level three. And then my own intuitive ability filled in the rest. And I could do healings that like I had a woman who had a cancer tumor in her liver I did a healing on her. She had a scan the next day and it was half the size. Now that might sound miraculous, but I knew what to do. And then I was told, don't heal people. You know now, but I needed that information and the foundation of how that works to understand how to teach people. And for me, I, I work with people with career and relationships. And my sweet spot is I can go all the way to their hell with them. And I am not one iota afraid. It doesn't bother me. Like I can go to a very dark place with people and help them see and rise up to the highest extent of who they are. And um, that takes me having a really, really big shadow in order to deal with all the thousands of people I've read with and help them help understand them. I was going to ask, is that, would you say, would you attribute that capacity to having walked through your own hell? Yeah. I mean, I think I was born even, you know, they're like, I've done some somatic work and so on that my pregnant in my mom's belly in the second trimester, I wanted out. I was her fifth child, her eighth pregnancy, and I moved a ton. And when I've revisited that, I was trying to get out. I was like, I don't want to be here. And what unfolded is my mom is my greatest teacher, the most challenging person I will probably ever meet on earth. Let's hope. But that taught me things. There's no other way I could have learned. No other. I couldn't have gone to a school. I couldn't have ever gotten that education. And it heightened my intuition. So if I go to a psychologist to do some therapy, they're like, holy crap, slow down. They'll tell me something that seats in. And a week later, 
I have filled in all the pieces and I say it to them and they're like, it's like you wrote the textbook on that idea or that, you know, I assimilate quickly as a result of growing up in a home where I constantly had to be aware and 29 steps ahead. And still, even then it wasn't sometimes workable, right? But that's a good thing because look at what it yielded. I mean, I have thousands of people who have said to me, like, you changed my life. I would have gone through that hell again to do that for people. You know, that's, that's what we're about is helping people see their own bright light. And for me, helping them move on to where they really see the truth about themselves. We forget. It's so simple. The truth of who we are, you know, your skill set, who, what you're about. We just forget from all of that. It, to me, you know, that responsibility or the things that burden us, maybe responsibility doesn't burden some people and they like that, but you get where I'm headed. You know, so yeah. What, yeah. How do we invite ourselves to be a part of our life? Yeah. And along with that, what is life inviting us to? Right. What I, I, I look at, you know, every moment is an opportunity. It's limitless, right? There's limitless potential. There's opportunity to express. There's opportunity to just experience and absorb or to be absorbed just by being present. We don't have to be doing, we can just simply be being, you know, and that is a very beautiful thing. That is where centeredness comes from. Groundedness comes from. That's where we get out of the head and into the heart or we elevate and expand our inner awareness, our spiritual awareness. This is where wisdom and inspiration come from. And I do believe in my own, through my own experience, that this is where uh, the discernment of intuition comes from. Right. So intuition is a is a really interesting ability uh, mm-hmm. that our faculty, if you will. And there's you know, there are people that have the mindset that, you know, intuition is simply just subconscious stuff percolating out. Mm-hmm. There are people that uh, a school of thought that is, you know, intuition is, you know, essentially metaphysical messaging you know, that we're picking up on transmission from other dimensions, you know, it could be one or the other or both. It could be something entirely different. Maybe it's quantum physics in the, in the, in and the out of the, you know, this and then that ultimately each person has to figure out how to navigate their own intuition. Am I listening to my intuition or am I just listening to a voice in my head? Right. That's the big question that a lot of people have, especially when they're just kind of coming into this realization that intuition is a real deal. You know, it is something, it is something that we can tune into. It is something that we can train, but how, and I want you to speak to that. I look forward to hearing from you on that, but I'm curious uh, before we jump straight into that, can you, you actually kind of alluded to it earlier uh, about the, you know, the premonition that you were going to die at 34, obviously it didn't happen. So can you share, maybe that's a good story or maybe there's a different story. Tell me about a time where, your intuition felt strong, but proved to be inaccurate or even wrong. Right. It never has, even with the 34. The problem is, and this is a lot of the problem of what you're talking about, is with our intuition, it's about trust. So I was not, even though I had experienced a lot of things, I didn't get how it worked when I saw that premonition at 27. And so as a result, information came enough information that I realized it's a metaphor and all of this information comes in metaphor. Remember, it's not linear logical. And so when I saw the, the 34, the number, it just hung in the air and it was in a very, very old serif font. I mean, a font I've never seen in this lifetime, never. And it was painted in a red old, like, um, like egg tempera, right? We wouldn't have that in this time. Not very, I mean, maybe, but maybe the Russians with icons, I don't know. (laughs) But needless to say, there was a sense of death and I felt like I was going to die. You've woken up in the morning, everybody has, I almost everybody, where you had something happen in a dream that you feel the emotion of it all day, right? Whether it's sadness, happiness, joy, it's, it was the same thing. I felt this overwhelming burden about death, but I still don't know what the full message is about that metaphor, but I know I will. And I will never forget the question. And that's the magic is if like, if I need to know what that's about, the information will come to pass. Now, years ago, I was sitting on the phone with a friend of mine and it was like a brick hit my chest. And I knew something about that metaphor and about that message 
that I didn't know before, but I can't articulate to you what it is, but I know it had to do with that because it felt akin. So at age 27, you had the premonition and, and it was, was it something that you, like you said, you carried the weight of that for a while. Well, was I freaking panicked. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Freaked out. <laughs> because Luke, you got to think about it in my twenties, premonitions were coming. And I'd say to my husband, we're going to be at a coffee shop and a book is going to fall off the table. And then two weeks later that would happen. And he'd look at me, right? He's a very quiet person. And then I'd say something else. This is going to happen. Right. So it was, it was hard for me. And at 27, I started to ask the questions, Oh, how do I turn this on and off? How do I build the foundation for this? And by the time I was about 33, it started to make sense to me and the energy of the worry of it, the death, I really think it's a spiritual rebirth. And I don't even know that it's really happened. I'm not sure what the 34 really attends to. I thought maybe it was 34 years after this, or, I mean, I've tried to think about things, but really it's not worth it because the answer will come. Mm -hmm. And I might be blocking the answer when I'm looking for it. You know, it might be right there. So, so to go back to your other question, our problem with intuition is trust. And I'm gonna shoot us forward 20, 40, 50 years. Where we're headed, I believe, is to a less invasive positioning for medical care and for how we, we operate in the world. So it would look like this. I've stood in a room with 100 people to public speak, and I said to them, hey, you, this is how it will look in the future. You and I, we have something that we need to share with each other. We will know each other for two years, and then our relationship will lapse, and we'll be complete. And you, you and I will never know each other. Hi and bye, because we'll know. So there won't be hurt feelings because it won't be like, why doesn't Jenny like me anymore, right? So there won't be that emotional piece that we've been struggling with. And there's a reason we've been struggling with that. It has a lot to do with narcissism being so strong. But the other piece is a woman came to my knitting group that I run and she said, she had just had a baby and she said, you know, they don't really do amniocentesis anymore, which if you know, is kind of dangerous for the baby and the mom and the whole situation, but it's to tell if there's anything genetically predisposed for the child or there's a problem going on. And she said, now they can take a pint of blood from the mom and centrifugally remove the child cells from the mom cells and genetically test those. And I sat back for a second and I said, that's a lot less invasive and, and safer. They're finally kind of thinking about how this could be better. And I, it hit me because I'm kind of asking that all of a sudden I could see four midwives standing in front of a woman who was sitting on an exam table. And one of them said, you're, you're pregnant with a girl, you're measuring this, you're pregnant with a boy, you're measuring this. The two in the middle had conflicting answers. Nobody had the same answer exactly. And then when they did the diagnostic tests, that woman was pregnant with twins. She was measuring in at the average of all of their scores that they came up with, right? Everything tracked, but they didn't know how it hit. And so then I was like, okay, this is great. That is way less invasive. And then we have the test to back it up to prove so that we can say, I'm hitting well. And then it fast forwarded to one midwife standing in front of a pregnant person that their skill set for that was very high. And they could say, you're pregnant with a boy. This is how you're measuring, blah, 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 blah. Somebody else came in and did all the diagnostics. They were right on. And then it flipped to a delivery room where the person was having a problem, the midwife was able to tune in intuitively and knew exactly what to do to change the situation without anything that was invasive. So to me, that's an example of how intuition is so powerful, but it takes repetition. It's taken me, that's why it started, I believe, so young for me. So I would trust it because I am feisty. I mean, I got a gray streak in my hair when I was 17, it showed up out of the blue, right? And I'm like, what is that? Why? You know? And then finally, when I was 33 or so, I was like, they marked me. They're like, watch that one. She is trouble. Like she's going, you know, push the bar on everything. So to me, when I, even in 2013, which isn't so long ago, I sat in front of a group of five people and I was going to read individually for each of them, but in front of each other. And I literally said to them, can I do this SHIT? Naughty. In front of them. Because I'm like, this is ridiculous. How can I do this? And I hit right on with all of them, right? Just like knocking down all the pins. How could anybody know that much about thousands of people, right? And the more I do it, the better and tighter I get. I've even said to clients when I was newer at it, I don't care if you want to know. I want to hijack your reading right now. 
and take this further because I care so much to understand the core of this for you and understand how to get to the core of things for my clients so that they really can heal. They really can get back to themselves or whatever it is that they need. So that's good. I mean, that's gold in your experience. I hear you say trust a lot. I want to share with you my uh, I like to use acronyms a lot. So my acronym for faith mm-hmm. is following an intuitive trusting heart. Mm-hmm. So following an intuitive trusting heart means not so much. I have to have it figured out. Not so much. I have to see it all because I trust that even though I can't figure it all out, even though I can't see the future per se, I can feel and sense and navigate my way through life intuitively. This is what keeps me in the flow state. And it only is accessible to me, at least in my experience, when I'm not, when I get out of my head and I'm into my heart, right? The sensing has to come from the center of our being, not through the mental projections of who we think we are. So, but that does segue to following an intuitive trusting heart, you know, how we or what we trust, right? Like when, when you talk about uh, trusting your intuition, can you, can you describe that in a way without using trust and intuition, essentially? You know what I mean? Like, what does that mean exactly to the layperson? Luke, you actually spoke to it right here. So well done. I mean, you're not realizing you are, but discernment is a massive piece because that comes from our knowing, which is claircognizant in our heart field. And everybody is intuitive in two ways. They have claircognizance, which is our heart field, and clairsentience, which is our gut instinct. It's that solar plexus in, you know, where we get squishy with under our rib cage. Um, and and we, we can sense into those things. We're at a party and we sense, I am not going over there. That's our gut saying, uh-uh. Now our heart field, I actually teach a class called Tools of the Heart. And, and our heart field, what I've learned is, we can send a message out and we can receive messages through our heart. So when I said to you, I moved, my body moved without me moving it for the parking ticket, that's how it did it, is something sent a message to my heart and I, it moved my body. So we can respond. It's not that we can control people and it gets weird, but with claircognizance, we really are naturally um, going to sense and read things. So if people are more like a healer type, just by their nature, they're on a road trip, they're driving past towns, and all of a sudden they're like, something is really wrong with that town. That is their heart field picking it up. And then they research when they get back to, you know, use Google to figure it out. And they're like, oh, they had a something, a plant that exploded or something happened and the people are really sick. And it's not visually apparent, but they knew. So that's what we say with the heart is knowing. Mm-hmm. And I really want to point out that intuition is not thinking or feeling, even though we use the word feeling a lot with intuition, it is sensing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's the essence of the imprint of the energy that I see. And I've gotten good at it. So I can see that is a coffee cup, but that's, oh, that's my coffee cup at home with little cats on it. Or that's a Starbucks cup. I can, I, you know, but I can tell it's a cup and then it narrows, 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 right? We can do that. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think is tricky and I would really encourage people is when you go to bed at night, it's, it's easier at first to be in a little bit of a quieter state. So just before you're falling asleep, close your eyes and ask to see or experience something that has to do with your intuition. Now, the first time I asked that, I saw a flash of orange and I was like, that is stupid. <laughs> right? <It's> like, what? <laughs> But the thing is, we need to ask questions. And that is our manual transmission is like, we can put it into first gear, we can put it into second gear by asking questions. And for me, when I told you the thing about the three items on the ground, Mm -hmm. I said I had to alter my point of view, which takes experience. I couldn't tell I was so focused on those three things. And they were driving me nuts, which I could be so focused on the 34. What does that even mean? I'm driving myself nuts. And I'm not altering my point of view, right? Mm -hmm. So then when I sensed inside, look up, then I could see the rest of the picture and fill in that web of constructed information. So it, I, that's why, Luke, I thought I was full of it because I, am a, I come from like creative brilliance, right? That's my people. And I thought, I am so highly creative. I can make this up and people believe it. And I really, I, I am somebody, like I said, who has extremely high standards for things. So I didn't want to be selling a bill of goods that was silly. And you know, when you do this and you see the things happen and you see the full cycle of it, you start to trust it even more. And you know what? It's kind of funny 
like me with the streak. I don't, I don't trust this. You show me again. <laughs> I just don't, I don't trust very easily based on my childhood, based on a whole bunch of things. And therefore it's not wrong to ask again. I say it like this. I'm, I'm more about belief than faith. I love your analysis or your acronym. I do. I really like that, but I'm more like this. Okay. Universe. I am creating this idea. I'm throwing this rock out to you. I see you catch it. And now we are in collaboration. So I will follow the good and uneasy path it takes to get me where I am asking to go. And I may not like it at points, but I will follow that path, right? I will not resist it. So, um, so I think of it as we are the creator. We are asking to get support to create from all of creation, you know? Beautiful. So I know that you have, uh, there's a vision of your heart and you're on a mission Wisdom gatherings, I believe, is the name of your of your mission here. Of, of can you tell me in in your and you're throwing it out and this this divine collaboration, for lack of a better word, where your intuition and inspiration has led you to have a positive ear, impact, to bear fruit in the world, right? To help help other people embrace their intuition, awaken to their intuition, their gifts, how to use it, and all of that. Can you tell me? Tell us, tell the audience about, about this vision, this mission, this organization. Yeah, absolutely. So I am an intuitive and I, I do that as my work, but I have started something in 2016 that um, didn't carry the same name, but has for the past three years called the Wisdom Gathering. And it really, you know, I've had a, quite a few men ask me to open it up for men. And I'm thinking about starting a co-ed version of it, but for now it's for women. And it really is a space for the deep thinker um, who is not necessarily fond of surface conversation and the space in which to really do some self-discovery through intuition, as well as gain inspiration and calm, recentering. I, you know, I mean, I could say a lot about this, but I think the main point is to help neutralize the playing field so women do not feel so alone. It is a really um, tricky place to be a woman, especially a mom, but to be a woman where we feel like we're giving to others and we weren't necessarily treated so well as kids. I'm not saying everybody, but we all have some, something that maybe is bothering us. And we're kind of in the middle, um, not in our power, but hanging out like, what do I do? Where do I receive? Where is the space from which I receive? And, and this is it. I mean, I've had women say astounding things. Like one woman said during COVID, it's the only place she found connection that actually was meaningful to her and grounded her and made her feel completely back to herself. Um, so it's an environment where all things can be said. I had a lot of clients who said to me, I don't know where to talk about these things and whatever those things are, it could be spiritual matters. It could be ways of thinking. And I'm, we're sharing ways to up level the, the ways to think about living spiritually so that it is the pathway of least resistance. I want it to be easiest for you and show you, you know, this, you can flow through most everything. Um, that is such a beautiful, uh, I just, I had a mental image of, you know, fellowship, really, you know what I mean? Coming together, it's, it's intimacy, it's intimate connection into me, see, let's let down the walls, you know, the, the, the self-protection mechanisms, the ego, and just be raw, be real and connect from the heart. And that is so much uh, the heart of the Soul Path podcast is to create that safe space. I, I mean, I have wonderful conversations and interviews with people that are all across the spectrum from different backgrounds and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because every person has to walk their own path, you know, and I have personally experienced, you know, this and that, but I can live almost vicariously, if you will, or I can experience through somebody else's story and experience the, the wisdom and insight that they've gained. And if I can, then I know other people can as well. And I just, so I just, I really resonate with what you're doing there. I, the vision of my heart was to create a heathen house fellowship, right? And that's, you know, gathering uh, for seekers, for sinners and for spiritual skeptics, but it's the place to come and talk about the things that you don't talk about necessarily at the dinner table, uh, right. you know, and that kind of stuff. So it's just, uh, it's super awesome to see that. Now, we're coming up on the clock, but there's actually a, one thing that I, it keeps coming up for me. And so I want to say this, okay, I want to ask, I'm curious, I want to, I want to hear from you on this, uh, the idea of interpretation, how we interpret 
our intuition? Because you alluded to this, you said this just a second ago, you know, how do I know that I'm not just making, I'm a really creative person. I could just create this up in my mind, right? I'm a, I, I realized a long time ago, I can convince myself of anything. You know what I mean? Like if I, if I really wanted to, I could be completely convinced about this or that only to later find out that I was wrong. And I think anybody that's lived any amount of time in life ultimately realizes that at some point we think something, we're so sure we believe it through and through, but we're wrong. And then it's like, ah, oh, wait a second. Even though I was so sure and I believed it absolutely, I was wrong. You know, so can you speak to the interpretation of intuition within that framework a little bit? Right. No, absolutely not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's that's your, your answer. Yeah, that's okay. It's, a, it's an art form. That's why it's nonlinear, non-time bound. Yeah. And it, it we are reading energy from the quantum field. That's what's happening. It's the energy between the atoms is where we're soliciting or receiving this. And um, as a result, it takes like a musician or like a painter, it takes experience after experience to trust and know. And this is why I teach this everyday intuition workshop once a month so that people can come together and practice with their intuition. And they, they're so new at it and they hit so incredibly well because they don't have any BS in front of them saying, don't do that, don't do that. I've learned this. They just flow with it. It, it astounds me. So it's, it's easy right out of the box for us, but we make it so complex. And I will say to you, when I, I had good personal intuition, I knew things and I, it was protective and all these things until my intuition came in to read for other people. And then my ability would, would pull back and I wouldn't be able to have it naturally for myself and it would move forward. And I think most people experience a push and pull and there's some energetic reasons with that too, that your intuition is stronger for you at certain times and not so strong at other times. And you can ask those questions too and say, why is that universe? Show me. I mean, that's very powerful because then you start to realize I'm not so good in November, <laughs> whatever the answer is. Yeah. But ultimately it's getting that refinement of understanding the ability to make sense of the sense awesome. and, and put, you know, feeling the finesse of that. And that sounds kind of open-ended, but it's, it's really, you said something earlier, Luke, I forgot that was like, that part is mental. Um, well, the doing is mental. The being is all about intuition. And we could liken that to feminine energy, you know, that it's more intuition is more natural, not necessarily to women, not in this lifetime for sure, but just to our feminine energy and connecting to that, letting go if you can't find the answer, not rushing at it, because that's too masculine for this process of art is sometimes accidents, you know, <laughs> like, right? But we can build upon the thing that we've learned and build upon that and build upon that. And, and it literally took me two decades of consistent opportunities. So what I say to people is in 10 years, the reader I'll be. And what I mean by that is for you listening to this, when you start, you become better and better and better and better and you learn your way. And if you need support and you can check out where I am and come and join us at Everyday Intuition where it is this passive way for you to connect into your own way of doing it because I feel like Luke's way of doing it, Amy's way of doing it, Jenny's way of doing it, Carrie, you know, those are the best ways. That's why we all are here and unique and we need everybody's intuition because you might pick up on things I don't pick up on and vice versa. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so well-spoken, such well-spoken wisdom. So thank you very much, Amy, for that. If anybody's intuition right now is just going bing, 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 I really want to connect with Amy. What's the best way for them to do that? Where can they look you up? What, tell me, tell them. Yeah, how. I have a website. It's just my name. So Amy, A-M-Y, and then Vasterling. It's a big one. <laughs> it's V as in Victor, A as in Amy, and then Sterling like the metal. So Vasterling, amyvasterling.com. Awesome. And, and you have monthly workshops, you were saying? I do. So the Wisdom Gathering is held monthly. I have a membership with that too. If you want more, it's actually less expensive than paying monthly. And then um, this everyday intuition will resume in September. And it is, I mean, I don't know when this will be published and all the things are happening, Luke, but it is quite auspicious not to pressure people, but if you're feeling it between August 1st of this year, 2021 until September 14th, the energy is auspicious to have a reading and it really applies to January of 2022. We are doing some massive shifting and August has always been a catalyst for like the past, I don't know, five or six years. So if you're feeling it, I would highly encourage checking in on that. I would too. And I'll make sure to put the links in the, in the write-up and Thanks. all of that. With that, it has been an honor. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your story and your insight. 
And is there any final words, any last thing you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, go to it. You have it. It's already innately in you. So it's not something you can avoid. I mean, you maybe have avoided it, but it's, it's no longer taboo. It really isn't. So run after it. Tap into that limitless intuition. Get right. out there and shine your light. <laughs> awesome. Right on, people. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And elevate. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Amy, thank you again so much for your time today. And I look forward to continuing to connect with you in the future. It has been an honor and take care. We'll talk Luke, soon. Thank you too. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Wowzers, so much good stuff. So much good stuff. You know, one thing that really just sticks with me is that when Amy said, if I need to know, the information will come to pass. Is that not the essence of intuition? Life is communicating with us, with me, with you. Life's talking. Are you listening? Are we listening to the intuition in our heart? Are we following an intuitive, trusting heart? Do we have enough faith to move away from fear and into the flow state? Can we see the divine synchronicity, the orchestration of all things? And maybe we can't understand it right now. Maybe it is hindsight is twenty twenty, and looking back, we can make sense of it. As Amy said, this is the this is it this is the way this is such a part of being human right we want to have it all figured out we're fighting against the way that it is but if we just surrender if we just look at life and accept the gift just as it is we get out of the head and into the heart find appreciation and gratitude for the right here right now that's where we're going to find that deep peace and that inner knowing. So again, just so much good stuff. So grateful for Amy and her insights. I love uh, I love what she said about how our intuition allows us to read energy from the quantum field. I think we might have a, have Amy back on the show and have uh, a, a little more conversation about just that. But for today, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Soul Path, uh, to the Soul Path Podcast. Thank you for being here in the audience, being present. Please like and subscribe and share this with your friends, this conversation. Get the conversation going, right? Rather than telling you what to think, I want to give you food for thought. That's why I engage these incredible individuals and have these conversations is so that we can learn from each other and lift each other up. So once again, I thank you and I look forward to talking with you soon. Peace. Peace.